Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, Council Vice President in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, over here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, which is, of course, the best county in Pennsylvania. My guest today might disagree, but we'll find out. Uh, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've talked to people from every state, from Hawaii to Alaska, uh, Florida to Texas, everywhere in between, from borough council like myself, all the way up to U.S. Senate with my senators, uh, Bob Casey and John Fetterman. You can look at those in the archive. Um, and the thing I bring up a lot is that every office matters. There are over 500,000 elected offices in this country, and we need good people to run for them. Um, and the most important thing there is, well, good, but also people. People in office are human beings uh, who are in your neighborhood, especially for offices like we're going to discuss today with school board. It's one of the most important elections happening in every state uh, and often goes overlooked and, um, you know, with no opposition sometimes. But there's a lot of opposition when it comes to school board in Central Bucks, Pennsylvania, and it is very tense. A lot of the national battles on education are happening in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about them, be respectful, hopefully learn, and maybe encourage you to run for office, too, with my guest today, Karen Smith, uh, who's going to talk about her history and why this election is so important. Uh, Karen is currently involved in the school board in Central Bucks, Pennsylvania, and she is looking to provide some needed relief, let's say that, to look after students, teachers, and parents, and taxpayers, everybody affected by education in Central Bucks. Karen, thanks for talking today. Sure, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So I always ask people from the start, uh, have you always been politically active, um, uh, politically minded, and uh, you know, aware, or did something spur you to be more politically active at some point in the, in the recent past? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that I've always been um, politically active. I did, um, I did work on a congressional campaign in 2008, and um, I guess that spurred some of my interest. Um, but I've all, I have been involved with uh, public schools for two decades now, really. Um, my professional background is in school public relations, and then I... At one point in my life, I needed to um, kind of reduce my hours because of a family situation. So I started working part-time from home. And at that point, I thought, wow, it would be really great if I could still be involved with public schools by being on the school board. Um, that was 2011. Um, that was actually the first time I ran in 2011. I did not win. And... I just thought it would be a good way to remain involved in public schools because um, it's something that I feel passionate about. And a lot has changed uh, in politics and education since 2008. Um, has your approach and your feelings about these issues, have they changed or has the world changed since then? I would say, honestly, my thoughts about education have really not changed. Um, they've remains steadfast, but I do feel like there's a dramatic shift um, in the country in the last couple of years. A bit about my history that is, you know, perhaps unique is that I uh, was a Republican, mm -hmm. and um, in the spring of 2021, because of everything that was um, going on, 
I ended up switching parties and now I'm a Democrat. My ideas overall on education, I don't feel like have changed. I've always felt that public education is like a cornerstone of um, America. You know, we, we are providing or trying to provide all the students in America with a really good solid education so that they can graduate and get a job and be independent and, you know, live a happy life. And I feel like we should invest um, a, a good amount of money in doing that. Um, I don't have any qualms, even though I'm fiscally conservative, about uh, spending money on education because I feel like, you know, it's a 12-year, 13-year investment in our kids. And then after that point, people are able to move forward and take care of themselves. So, so that kind of big picture thinking remains the same for me. I've never been a fan of school choice or school vouchers because that like leaves takes some kids out of an underperforming school and leaves other kids in the underperforming school. And it's kind of like, what kind of solution is that? That's mm -hmm. not really, that's not helping public schools that are struggling because you, you still have the struggling public school um, and you've moved some kids out and left some kids there. Um, I've always felt that way. Uh, you know, when I was a Republican, that was not a pop popular opinion, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but that's, that's how I felt. Um, I've actually, always been a supporter of the teachers union um, because I, f I feel like um, you can get in situations with school boards where perhaps, you know, the, the board is anti-union or really wanting to cut a lot of corners. And again, like I said, I feel like it's very important to invest a good amounts of money in education for that 12 or 13 years so our, our kids can can move on and take care of themselves. And uh, I feel like it's important for the teachers to have a, a vote and to to be able to use their collective energy to uh, speak for themselves. And so that whole time, I have remained a supporter of the teachers union. Again, that wasn't a popular opinion with Republicans um, either. But I feel like in the last couple of years, there has been a dramatic shift in the Republican Party, and it was something that I could no longer be part of. It does seem like really not even that long ago, and, and probably maybe in other places too, but education has been pretty nonpartisan, uh, especially in Pennsylvania. They're considered nonpartisan elections, but they've become more partisan. Uh, you said you've been involved for a while was it just very recently that you that it seemed that way or do you think anything else kind of turned that because i know there have been partisan battles about and cultural battles about public education for a long time but it did seem like there was more of an open tent when it came to education for a long time where you could have folks yeah in. you're definitely right in central box um you know since i've been involved which is basically since 2001 um, most of the board has been Republican. There mm -hmm. might have been an occasional Democrat on the board, but honestly, most people didn't even know the, the political background of our school board members. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have situations where, you know, everyone was voting along party lines like we have right now. So definitely within the last couple of years, there's been a, a marked shift in that, that area. And I've seen, from, I've been politically active for a long time, especially here in the Philadelphia suburbs. And we've seen in the past that there were a lot of business-minded Republicans, like you said, fiscally conservative, 
you know, maybe they would vote with Republicans in the state legislature or Congress on things that I dis- strongly disagreed with, but they were the kind of people who you would expect to be running a business, um, you know, running, just re- active in the community. And you still see that to some extent, but um, it seems like a lot of those people are losing primaries, not wanting to run again because they don't feel comfortable. Um, and a lot of, I, I remember in 2016 and 2020 meeting former Republican committee people who had switched parties or, you know, had stopped or either to Democrat or independent because they no longer felt comfortable. That's how it is in Montgomery County right next door, the better county. I'm just kidding. But, um, but Bucks County's similar. Do you see that as something that, you know, Bucks County Republicans tend to be pretty moderate? Bucks County people in general seem pretty moderate. It's like a very moderate middle of the road county. Um, but there's less of a home for being moderate in that party at this point. Um. You know, it's, it's difficult for me to speak to the Republican Party at this point because I've been out of it for two years, obviously. As someone who feels that I'm moderate, I was no longer comfortable there, and mm-hmm. so I made a switch. I feel like Bucks County as a whole is, you know, and we're actually known nationwide as, you know, Purple County mm-hmm. and the purple state it's often called the bellwether county the way that bucks county goes the nation will go etc i've heard all of that um and i think it is because we're very much 50 50 in voter registration it's very close and we do have people who kind of just want to be in the middle of the road and then in the last couple years some more extreme voices have become loud and have garnered a lot of attention and, um, and act, you know, have won some seats on boards and made significant changes. So let's talk about that because that's why your election is so important. And like you said, you've been on school board. What's your experience been like, uh, as a member in terms of, and what you want to do? Okay. So I, um, I'm at the end of my second term. Um, so that I'm in my eighth year. The first two years of my term were marked by COVID. You know, basically, we were sworn in and COVID started soon after that. And, you know, that was an incredibly intense time for all school districts. You know, lots of attention on us, lots of public comment, hours and hours of public comment, lots of, you know, people reaching out to us, either angry or, or thankful, depending on their point of view. And... Then, I mean, I would say during that time, I started to notice some of the national uh, culture war issues coming in. You would have some people in public comment who, you know, would bring up uh, topics about LGBTQ students or trans students. They would bring up topics about bathrooms. And I would think, what what does this have to do with, there's nothing on the agenda right now. It has uh-huh. anything to do with this. I don't know why this is coming up, you know. And that was prevalent all throughout COVID. And then in the fall of 2021, the, the last election cycle, um, the Republican candidates uh, did, did win. And um, so then our board switched and we are now uh, six Republicans and three Democrats. And really these, these last two years or year and a half, I guess is where we're at right now. Um, it's like, Nothing I ever could have imagined, uh, nothing I've seen before. People from other districts, you know, talk to me in awe about it. Um, The main issues being that 
as a member of the board minority, we are shut out mm-hmm. from a lot. The most recent example would be the superintendent's contract. The board majority made a decision that they wanted to offer the superintendent a new five-year contract and give him a 40% raise, $90,000 a year. And the three of us in the board minority knew nothing about it until we got our agenda a couple days before the meeting. Um, We were not involved in any way, shape, or form. And like I said, this is my eighth year on the board. I've been involved in this process before, and that's not how the process is supposed to go um, at all. Um, in any way, shape, or form. So, um, and, and that has happened with a number of, of, of things over the last year and a half. Um, not only have, so essentially, we can't add anything to the agenda. Our board president says, in order to add something to the agenda, you need to have majority support. So we have to find, you know, four other board members who agree with us in order to put something on the agenda. We've not been able to influence the agenda at any point <laughs> uh, during our term. Let's see, where am I? Now, are you able to, because you're people, in theory, I haven't been to the meeting, so maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I imagine some people might say, look, you're all human beings. Why can't you just get along? Do you feel like that there's like a blinders on where people are so driven by ideology, driven by what they see on social media or whatever, that there's just no way to make those human connections that you would have been able to do across the aisle between Democrats, Republicans, you know, with your neighbors that, you know, that kind of person to person interaction is breaking down. Yeah. Um, it, it is, um, broken down, um, with this board. Um, we did try, early on to have some board workshops where we work together. And um, those started off just very badly from the beginning. I fancy myself to be um, a fairly calm person, uh, someone who doesn't get um, you know explosively angry, um, especially in public. Most people <laughs> seem to get along with me. Like I said, this is my eighth year on the board. Not only did I serve, have I served on the Central Bucks board, I was on the um, the board for our vocational school mm-hmm. for six years. I was on the board for the intermediate unit for five years. So I'm at like 19 years of board experience, and I have never had an issue like this before. All I can say is, yeah, right now it's definitely broken. As we look forward um, to the future, because voters are asking this, you know, if my slate of candidates were to win in November, how would we do things differently? Um, first and foremost, it's a nine-member board. Mm-hmm. So we will be including everyone in decision-making. And um, if, if a board member wants to add something to the agenda because they think that someone from their um, region has expressed a concern about it or would like more information about it, then we should add it to the agenda and we can discuss it in public and we can decide as a group whether or not we want to move forward with it. That's how this is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not been working that way at all. Um, and so all the people who are in my region, Tabitha's region, Miriam's region, they basically have no voice because we as the minority board members can't get anything on the agenda. 
Um, and so that's the main difference that as we move forward, I, we would make that change without a doubt. Um, I'm not going to shut people out no matter how I feel about their ideology. It's a, it's a government organization. We are supposed to operate in public. We're supposed to talk in public. And that's what, that's what I would do. From what I've seen from the meetings, whether it's reading stories or seeing some clips, um, it's a very stressful job uh, for school board members everywhere, but especially in your very contentious area. Is there anything that um, you do to take care of your own mental health or you'd recommend to either your running mates or to others running for school board just to take care of themselves because you're so important? And I'm saying that I'm saying that you're important because if we have good people that won't run for school board because they feel like it's just you know too much, then we're going to be overrun by people who you know shouldn't be there. Right. Well, first, let me preface it by saying you know uh, the situation we're in we're in here. I think is extremely rare. Uh, I that's why we're getting so much attention focused on us because. Um, it's just a, a very unique situation um, and, you know, really fairly dramatic. Um, as far as myself, um, you know, I'm actually a very fortunate person overall. Um, you know, I've been married for 31 years. I have three uh, wonderful children. I actually just became a grandmother. We bought a, about six years ago, well, seven years ago at this point, my husband and I bought a, seven acre property. And so now we have a small farm, you know, I basically, you know, kind of basically live in a park and a farm, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm looking out the window and my sheep are walking across the back, <laughs> walking across the back here. Um, you know, looking at my little puff balls out the window. So, you know, I, I think I draw a lot of strength from my family and from my, uh, I have about 50 animals here overall <laughs> and I draw strength from them and I find working with the animals and working outside to be um, relaxing and meditative for me. Mm -hmm. Also, we, you know, my, I've, I've said this to other folks, my, my youngest son uh, has struggled with mental health issues in his life and um, what we went through with him was actually the most difficult thing I ever faced. And in comparison to that, um, you know, this really, this is, they really can't compare. Yeah. I know a lot of people who say that in life and I work with people with disabilities in my regular career. So people will say, Oh, I know people who have it worse, which is true, but it often is a way to not take care of themselves and so especially with moms um, dads too but you know i see that happen a lot um and you know speaking of mental health there was a really terrible thing that this far-right education what we call education far-right anti-education group posted saying that health care does not belong in schools that mental health doesn't belong in schools and those people have a lot of energy in school boards right now you know, when you see things like that, how does that make you feel as someone who's seen it personally and also been working on these issues uh, professionally for many years when you see that that's kind of a motivating factor for a lot of their candidates, not just in Central Bucks? I mean, frankly, it's, it's really an ignorant point of view. Um, when you look at students, um, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but there's a 
uh, I think it's Laszlo's hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. um, where you, or not just students, but people overall, you know, you, you, you start at the bottom and you have to have shelter and food and safety. And then you move up through the hierarchy and all of those needs need to be met in order to be, you know, a fully actualized person. And so if we have students who are struggling with some issue of their physical health, um, and need assistance during the school day in order to be able to concentrate and function on their studies, well, that's just pretty obvious. Like, clearly we need to have nursing staff in our schools to handle that. And then mental health, we're talking about our brains here. You know, how are you going to concentrate and study and learn if you're having an issue with your mental health and your brain. And a lot of our kids in the last, it's not, people talk about the last couple of years, it's, it's longer than that, that the mental health issues have really, have really skyrocketed. A lot of kids suffering from anxiety and then the anxiety ends up resulting in depression because the anxiety is stopping them from being able to do things. You know, there are kids who can't leave their bedroom um, and end up truant. And then because they're not able to do anything, then they end up in a, you know, bleak depression. And that's, schools have to be uh, a partner with the family in that situation, you know, and, and I've, I've gone through all of this with my son. So I know, um, all the different avenues that you could follow. You, you know, you could be in a regular ed classroom. You can be in a special ed classroom. You may need a private school. Uh, you may need a residential school. You may need um, social workers or counselors who are mobile and come to your home. You know, there's a plethora of options that can be provided to families. And the school is the most direct government agency to reach families. So why would we take the school out of that equation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, we use schools for any number of things to reach, uh, you know, families and, and, and children. And I think obviously we should continue to do that. Yeah. My son uh, is going into fourth grade and I have two kids. Um, and in third grade, he had a classmate who's his one of his good friends who was saying some pretty negative things about himself and he said I don't know what to do and I don't know I wasn't there to hear it but he was felt trusted to me and I said well you like and trust your teacher right because that's and so he was able to talk with her and they were able to get some help as a result in our school district and that seems like that would be the first thing I would think of is to do that to make sure that that kid got you know some some conversations at least and everything seems fine. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't, obviously a teacher doesn't reach out to me. It's not my kid, but you know, that I knew that it was a trusted relationship that they could have. But let's talk about the next trusted relationship is you want to have a trusted relationship with your new, your, your running mates, your school board next year, whenever you come together, you don't know what the makeup will be yet, but let's say you are able to have the majority you want. What, what is your goal? Uh, of the school board. So if you talk to voters and you talk to people at the meetings, like how would you envision um, guiding the school district for the future? Uh, the, the main thing that we're hearing um, from voters is that they're embarrassed at all the attention, negative attention that we've been getting 
they feel like these uh, culture war issues are not reflective of the community's values of a whole. They're not reflecting what, you know, most people are concerned about, you know, the, the book banning, the pride flag banning, the, you know, pronoun usage for transgender students, you know, all these things that are really culture war issues. They're, yeah, folks may have an opinion on them, but it's not, driving them and it's not their main concern about their schools. You know, they, they want their schools to be a safe place, um, a welcoming place, an inclusive place for students. And, but above all, they want kids to be able to learn. And these issues have just become a huge distraction um, for the district overall. Uh, when you have school board meetings with whatever, 100, 200 people showing up, uh, when you have all these, the press coming out to, to every meeting, writing articles all the time. I've actually been heavily criticized for responding uh, to the media or even doing an interview like this. But I honestly feel like these, you know, these issues that have come before us are, they're human rights issues. They're, they, it's the, the human rights of our students, I feel like have been violated. And I, don't I couldn't just sit there and say nothing about it. Um, I understand that the majority board passed these policies, but I'm not alone in my evaluation of the policies. You know, we have ACLU, the Education Law Center, National Association Against Censorship, NAACP. I mean, and all these organizations have come out, you know, written formal letters to the district. Um, we're being investigated by the Office of Civil Rights, you know. I'm not alone in my evaluation of what's wrong um, with these issues. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll continue to speak out about them. Well, I'm glad you're going to speak out. I'm people... not going with that question, but <laughs> hopefully I answered it. Well, you'll speak out, but um, on, on those things. And, and I guess you want to bring some calmness to the school boards, like make school, yes. make school board That's meetings true. boring again. Right. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. So you asked me uh, where do we want to take things. I do want to uh, redirect away from um, these issues, which really are not of concern to the majority of um, people in the community. Um, and when you say that, you're not saying that you don't care. It's just you want the like one way or another, but you want focus on like the regular school activities. And right. uh, how- I mean, of course I care. I want schools to be safe. Let's talk about the library books. The, my opposition has been door knocking and telling people that I want, um, you know, five, five and six year olds to read the same book as a 17 or 18 year old. And that's just utterly and completely false. I have never said that. I have said that I want all families to be able to make choices in the library and the policy that they passed is banning some books and making that choice for everyone. Um, We've always had a protocol in place in the district where if you're a parent and you're concerned about a certain book, you just mark, have the librarian flag that book and your child won't be able to check it out. So we've always had ways for um, parents to protect their own student if they had concern about a certain issue or or book in this case. And I would just like my kids to want to read instead of playing Fortnite. So like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I'm so happy. My three kids are all big readers, you know, that I'm glad that we uh, pass that on to them Mm because I also love to read. 
Um, I mean, the other thing I would like to do and make changes is I, we have been able in the last couple of last three or four years to make central bucks was kind of behind, um, in our mental health staffing. We didn't have any social workers previously. We only had uh, high school counselors and those counselors really worked more on like, you know, college applications and things and not on, you know, therapy if that was needed. So in the last few years, we have hired three social workers, one per cluster. And um, in this year, they've hired five counselors um, that will help, you know, with actual therapy if needed. Um, and that's great. I'm really glad we have that now. It's an improvement. It's not quite enough. I think that we do need to take some additional steps there. Uh, and that may, that may include more staffing, um, but I'm not quite sure. I know in other districts they have uh, support staff who are, they're called a climate specialist or a registered behavior therapist, uh, registered behavior specialist, I think. And, and those folks are kind of like just a friend in the school. You know, they're there, they're available for kids to talk to. I know from my own son, you know, a lot of what's going on with mental health, health, health issues is that a child is unable to regulate their emotions. And so they need someone to be able to help them in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, when they're really experiencing those emotions, we need to be able to step in and help. Um, so how can we do more of that? Um, part of that is staffing. Um, and part of that is actually um, education for the kids, you know, um, social emotional wellness curriculums that uh, give kids coping mechanisms to handle their emotions. You know, if you have a kid who's struggling with math, they're getting really frustrated and angry and anxious. What's going to help that child more? More math lessons or perhaps some, some discussions about how to handle their emotions around math. Um, and I can tell you it's the latter. <laughs> and doesn't that help so. the kids who don't have those specific problems? Like my sons at, at this stage haven't, had those particular issues, but they've encountered friends in school who have ADHD or other uh, behavioral issues. And that's a distraction for them. And they, they mm -hmm. talk about it as a distraction for the class. And when those kids that have those issues are, are cared for, then it helps my kids because then that child is able to acclimate better to the rest of the class. Right. And it gives, um, you know, if, if everyone's having the same lessons about emotions, it gives everyone a common language, um, how to speak about emotions. Um, uh, you, you can teach some basic calming exercises, whether it's breathing exercises mm -hmm. or, um, you know, we've been through all of that. That's very beneficial for kids. And as they, as they age and um, face, you know, social media is just, wow, I can't imagine like going through high school and having to deal with social media. You know, it's, um, it's tough. It's gotta be, it is brutal on their self-esteem. Yeah. And so how do we help kids build up their self-esteem when perhaps all of social media is, is trying to tear it down? Yeah. I see that even with my kids playing online video games and I will like, if I pick them up from school and I need to make dinner, they're on their games for an hour and then they're just nervous about what people are saying in the in the chats and the games, you know. That and that's not even on social media. They don't have cell phones yet. Um, yeah. But 
you can tell how like oh it's hurtful that my friend isn't like has blocked me and maybe his friend has blocked him because he's got to eat dinner and he's like his parents don't want to be distracted like you know kids have kid emotions and that's normal yeah so these are really important issues and people may not realize how big of a deal school board elections are or your school board election is if people want to learn more about you and this election where where can they go to be engaged and um, and educate themselves uh i have a website Karen Smith for cbschoolboard.com. Um, and then I'm part of a slate of candidates running um, Neighbors United. I don't recall that website off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm sure if you Google Neighbors United, we should pop right up. Um, and that has information about all the candidates. Um, I'm happy to, you can send me an email um, through the website. I'm happy to answer questions folks may have. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm supposed to do as a representative. Yeah, happy to chat with anyone who has a question. Well, I appreciate you doing that. And I encourage everyone to read up, look about Neighbors United, uh, look up Karen Smith. It's an easy name to spell and say. It's hard to mess that one up. And uh, I Yeah, say and uh, I mean, actually in the past it's been a problem because, you know, sometimes my opposition would find other Karen Smiths and, like, attribute things that those Karen Smiths had done to me and it was false. <laughs> But when this is all over, I can just go back to being, you know, generic Karen Smith. So And Karen Smith is a name that you could, in theory, just move into the background and not need yeah. to be all over the place. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, for sure. So that's a, a pleasant thing. And I really encourage people to learn uh, learn about Central Bucks School District, but also learn about your own school districts, whether you are running or you know someone who is. These are elections that don't just impact kids. They impact your whole community taxpayers, yes. parents, uh, homeowners, businesses, everyone. These are extremely important, often uncontested, um, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. So thank you, Karen, for all you're doing, and I wish you the best of luck. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And if you're listening, maybe you should run for office too. <laughs>